Welcome to the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Sleep. Were you muted? <laughs> yeah, I was muted. Well, I was expect. I forgot we weren't doing a cold open. So you want to start over real quick? Okay, yeah, yeah. No, 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 wait, wait. Just just go from I'm Jonathan Slate. I'm Jonathan Slate. And I'm Donald Wine. And it is January of the year 2022. And we've got a World Cup qualifying window coming up. So let's chat about it. Uh, first things first, though, before we even get to January, before we get to the CONCACAF action, we got a Patreon. And we announced this after we dropped our last episode with Grant Wall. Thanks, everyone, who listened to that. Uh, by far the best reception we've gotten of any episode so far. So the podcast is popping off. Um, it's, the grant, it's the grant effect, the grant bump. Yeah, yeah We're, we're happy to take it. <laughs> we got that Grant Wall bump. Um, but we've got a Patreon, and we're looking for support for the podcast. So I want to shout out to our first three uh, patrons who are supporting the podcast, uh, Ethan Zombeck, Jen Glicos, and Kellen Christensen, um, all now dear friends of the Pocket Calf. Uh, thank you guys for the support. Yeah, yes, no, that's thank great. You. Thank you guys very much. Three so, down, a million to go. If you haven't signed up to be, uh, to be part of our Patreon, you probably should. Uh, we would appreciate it. So we'll you get kind extra of, content. Yeah, you get extra content, and we'll be recording a bonus content piece, another one more round after we're done with this. But enough about the Patreon. Let's get to the soccer. Uh, January World Cup qualifying. Donald, why don't we start? Tell us where we're at in World Cup qualifying. Let's, let's hear the standings. Yeah, so we're eight games in. We have six to go. Obviously, there's three match days this month. But before we get into those match dates, let's go through what the standings look like at this point right now leading the table with four wins, four draws, no losses is Canada. They have 16 points. They have a plus eight goal differential. They're in first place by one point over the United States. The United States has 15 points. If you do the math, 16 minus one is 15. They have a plus seven goal differential. Third place. We have Mexico. They are sitting on 14 points plus four goal differential. And I'm saying the goal differentials because while they, aren't important necessarily right now. They obviously will factor into the final standings. Uh, Panama, and this is where it kind of factors in right now, Panama also has 14 points, but because they have a plus two goal differential, they are in fourth place. There's a nice little line after those top four because after that you get into uh, the bottom half and there's a, del- there's a distinct delineation between the top four and the bottom four. Little Fifth place, right? Yeah, there's some separation. Uh Number five is Costa Rica. They have nine points, a minus one goal differential. Jamaica is in sixth place. They have seven points, a minus four goal differential. El Salvador sitting in seventh with six points and a minus six goal differential. And at the bottom of the table, Honduras, the only team in CONCACAF that has failed to win a match so far. They have three points, only three draws, and they have a minus 10 goal differential so there's your table canada to honduras well we've got we're through eight games we've got six games left so it is crunch time for that bottom half of the table uh if they want to get back in the race for the spots in qatar uh so that's where we're I mean, sitting. we can safely go ahead i mean we can safely assume like you know honduras is, is cut adrift three points you know there's six more matches so I guess in theory they could finish. Um, they could pick up with you know twenty one points, but I mean let's be honest: if three points after eight games, uh, I think they can just count this as 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 done. They're not mathematically. Play, play. Go ahead. No, no one is mathematically eliminated. Yes, that is correct. But yeah, they're know, not mathematically eliminated. But you know, they have they are on uh, life support. Let's put it that way. But that's why they play the games. That's why so, they play the games. <laughs> so we're going to play some games. Uh, before we play the games, let's meet our teams. Uh, we'll go through the squads. Um, most of the rosters have dropped already at time of recording. Uh, so we're going to go through those. We'll go in order of FIFA rankings. So first up, ranked 11th in the world, your United States of America. 
Uh, Donald, why don't you let us know about this roster? Yeah, so it's actually a little bit larger of a roster than we are used to seeing from the United States. Normally, uh, head coach Greg Berhalter likes to bring in 25 or 26 guys. This roster is at 28, and he released it uh, on Friday. And during his press conference, he kind of said that it had to do with you know a lot of things, but mainly the fact that he's had some COVID issues in camp and that he's keeping COVID in mind by bringing more guys into this camp, but obviously not too large of a group that he can't manage all the players. So uh, just going through, obviously, I'm not going to go through all of the guys in the lineup, but uh, there's a couple that stood out to me. One, uh, Brooks Lennon, who makes this roster from Atlanta United. He is uh, he was he's not fit factored in any of the World Cup qualifiers thus far. He only has one cap, and that was in a friendly last month. So uh, he makes the roster after going through the training camp that they've had earlier this month. Um, in the middle, Luca De La Torre, I thought was an interesting one. He has forecasts, but we've seen him at times uh, over the last year with the national team. You have the rest of the guys are kind of the, the, the people who we've expected uh, and have factored into this roster uh, most of the time. And up front, uh, we have one guy that returns to the, to the lineup after about a year's worth of absence. He was in the lineup last month under friendly, but it's his first World Cup qualifier or really his first important matchup since we went to Cayman Islands back in 2019 <laughs> to face Cuba. And that, back my when, friends, is Jordan Morris. So The Jordan real Morris, important games back in Cayman yes. Islands. Uh, so Jordan Morris will play in his first competitive game in over two years. So uh, for American fans, it's very nice to see him back on the lineup. Yeah, Is I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> Personally, I'm excited for Jordan Morris to be back. Like he's had some very good moments for the national team, uh, even going back to scoring the Gold Cup winner uh, back in 2017. Uh, he was scoring goals in Nations League and had a terrible run of injuries. And the one reason I am excited about having Jordan Morris on the team and almost like bringing in Brooks Lennon as well. I don't know if he's actually going to play. But probably the, and we'll get to the window, but I just want to like bring this up because I think this is huge for me. US is going to play Canada in Canada on turf. And I think it's good for the US to have a bunch of guys who are familiar with playing on that surface, um, especially in a game that's going to be cagey because of the weather. Um, but we'll talk more about that later. But that was good for me. Uh, Luca De La Torre getting him called back in that was good to see as well i will say that uh gian uh, Gianluca busio was also going to be on this roster uh, but he unfortunately just contracted covid and was removed from the roster before it was released so uh, a lot of people were asking why he's not on this list that is the reason why he contracted covid we don't know when but literally as the roster was about to be released we found out that he had been removed from the roster uh, because he contracted COVID. I, it sounds like Venezia is in a COVID outbreak at this point um, and are trying to get their match uh, this weekend postponed because they have so many players out. Yeah, and so so enough with the, the feel-good bullshit. Um, so here's my, here's my Jordan Morris issue. Jordan Morris hasn't played more than 20 minutes of meaningful soccer in a year and a half. This is World Cup qualifying. I do not want and it should not be the time for a player to find their fit and their form in the midst of world cup qualifying we are there to get nine points and so i really don't care to see him that this is not the time you know let's march when he's had a chance to actually play he's not in season let's give him some time to get into form and then we can have the yeah it's great to have jordan morris back but right now i don't think it's the time the other issue oh. I have, the, the other issue I have was I'm fine to an extent about John Brooks not being called in. I understood him not being called in until we got to Brower Halter's press conference <laughs> and the reason he gave. He's not a fit for this. Maybe the biggest line of cult co coaching bullshit. And I will preface this by saying that I'm not a Burhalter hater. Not like I'm not like Greg out any of that, but like he's not a fit and saying that he's not in form. 
he's actually his last three games has been his best run of form as of late. Again, I'm fine with him not being called up right now, but like, don't give me that bullshit. No, and going back to Morris, I know he's not, he doesn't have a lot of like high quality minutes of late. That is a fact, but you also have to look at this like, this is a January window. Every game is going to be miserably cold. This is not going to be good soccer. Jordan Morris is the type of player who thrives in bad soccer. And I think we, we've got a lot of that lying ahead. I will um, say... See, Paul, Paul Ariola is a better fit for that. Paul Ariola has played meaningful minutes. Yeah. If we want to Ar- like muck it up and play like what you call yeah. like not great soccer, I'd give me Paul Ariola over Jordan Morris in this window. That's fine. Neither of them are going to play 270, you know? Right. I, I think if anyone's going to be playing more, it's going to be Paul Ariola, um, who has gone through his transfer saga uh, of late uh, and right now is listed as a DC United player with my team. Uh, we don't think that's going to be lasting through this camp, but I digress. I think for Jordan Morris, I think the issue is this, right? He can play in Seattle. Seattle has a lot of terrible weather. We've seen him score multiple goals in the you know, in the muck that was Truman Baden Stadium that was full of water. We've seen What's him up? score in that. So we, he knows how to score garbage goals in garbage weather against garbage teams. So I, I think <laughs> I think all of those combined mean that, you know, that's, that's that part is like riding a bike. You don't forget that part. But I do agree. I don't honestly I don't expect to see him that much on the field because if all of our guys, the rest of our forwards are in camp and they're all playing to the max of their ability, we don't need a Jordan Morris in the team unless we're blowing someone out five now. Yeah. My only other, I think big omission is I think Jordan P Fox, a big omission for this, because I think you need a big body striker as we're going to talk about these games. Um, we know that these games are being played in fairly inhospitable conditions. And I think you need a big body that can get up there and either start or come off the bench um, and get on the end of balls. Because I I think especially when we get to the Canada game, um, we're going to talk about not great soccer. The history of the U.S.-Canada matchup is not (laughs) great soccer. Um, I think Jordan Pifak is like one of the perfect individuals. I mean, Daryl DK would have been as well, but we know DK has had some hamstring issues as well. So I feel like either of those two would be perfect for those conditions. I think if one guy, I, I think PFUC was the one forward that I would have brought in addition to whoever was here. I, I, I'm not going to go through and say, you know, look at this roster and say, oh, he might have come in place of whoever. I would have just added to him, added him to this roster for this reason. We are in the cold. At Young Boys, they have been playing in snow and cold since like October. The man knows how to play in, you know, these type of conditions and also knows that he can be a bull up front and sometimes you need a bull if you're not like there's not going to be graceful soccer there's going to be snow soccer and and cold soccer and that is hard that's rough it's physical and it'd be nice to have someone like people come off the bench and just stand over and be like oh yeah i play in this every week i've been playing in this for the last like six months so have at it but you know what that means it's giassi time giassi time yeah for (laughs) sure the one thing i mean we're eight games into this final round of qualifying and one of the dumb things about CONCACAF of the many dumb things which is what this podcast embraces is how dumb everything is so speaking of dumb is there's yellow card accumulation in the final round qualifying where if you get two yellow cards you are suspended for the next game two yellows equals a red over the course of 14 games absolutely just just asinine but at this point stage, it's getting to it's getting to be an issue. So when we go through each of these teams, we're going to go through what their yellow card accumulation situation is. So for the USA, sitting on yellows but not called in, we discussed already. John Brooks, Jordan Pifuck, they're both on yellows, but they're not here, so don't matter. Uh, the three remaining players: DeAndre Yedlin, Tyler Adams, Zach Steffen. If they get a yellow card in any of these games, they're suspended for a game. So that is something to definitely keep an eye on moving forward. 
Anything else on the U.S. boys? No, I think we I think we've covered it to death, and I think people listening to this podcast will have listened to a lot of coverage about the, the this roster. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on. Next up in your FIFA rankings at number fourteen is Mexico. Mexico calls in another big squad. They actually have 29 guys on their roster, four keepers, 11 defenders, seven midfielders, seven forwards. Uh, a couple of highlights just on transfer news, late transfer news, uh, Tecatito Corona just moved to Sevilla. They're expecting big things out of him there. Uh, but the headliner, uh, as far as dual national panic goes, is we're getting the debut and qualifying of Julian Araujo of the LA Galaxy. Of course, as you know, born in the U.S., played for the U.S. national team briefly and filed his switch late last year, made his debut in a friendly against Chile in December for the Mexican national team, and he is one of the 11 defenders called in uh, by Tata Martino for this window. Talking about yellow card accumulation for Mexico, uh, they've got... They got a bunch of guys. Uh, the huge headliner, we'll, we'll start with this. Uh, Herving Lozano will be suspended for their first match on January 27th because he picked up his second yellow card in the November 16th match against Canada. Currently sitting on yellows for the Mexican team, uh, Alexis Vega, Hector Moreno, Jesus Corona, Jesus Gallardo, Luis Rodriguez, Luis Romo, Nestor Araujo, Nestor Araujo, who had already served a suspension for accumulation, and Raul Jimenez. So they've got a bunch of get, they've got a bunch of guys who uh, need to play nice in these three games. Over Did under. Nestor... So how many, how many yellow cards are there? Like how many guys are on yellows? Give me, the, give me the number. There are doing quick math. There are eight over under 2.5 players serve, serve or pick up a yellow card ban this round. Ooh, we're getting to it. We're getting to becoming a gambling podcast. I like this. I'm all about this. <laughs> yeah. Are you um, talking about during this match or during the, during this, during window? this window, during this window over, over under, under two and a half, two and a half. Oh, definitely over. See, I almost want to say under. I think that they're going to be cognizant of this. Um, or I guess reverse psychology. That first game in March is very, very important. So almost like, you know, in Champions League, if it's like the fifth game of the group stage and you're already through, where you're like, all right, I'll, I'm just going to take the hit now. Uh, this might be a good time to get that second yellow for some of these guys. Well, that, that's that the problem... The problem with that is, and I know we'll talk about this in a minute, that third match day for them is a very, very important one. We'll we'll talk about the yeah. reasons why, but yeah. it's a very important one. So they can't rest their guys for it. But also, is it Nestor Araujo? Isn't he the guy that served the suspension against the United States back in November? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he that's got what it. Eric said. He, he's, he's got – this is his second. And he got with the um, next match against Canada. Like, what, what's wrong yeah. with him? <laughs> Legitimately, dude, miss, miss the most important game that they had played so far due to a red card and immediately picked up a yellow in that game up in Edmonton. Uh, yeah, not great. Dude's got to keep his head a little bit. Hey, hey, Panama. I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> get, you know, go get in there a little shit. bit. Start get some physical. Shit. Yeah, make it a physical <laughs> game. Annabelle, do us a favor. Do us a favor. All right. So that, that wraps up. Any other thoughts on Mexico? Are we good to move on? All right, let's move no, on. Let's I think go. we're going to move on. All right, next up, uh, the Canucks. We're going to Canada. Canada does not have a roster yet. They haven't announced it yet. I honestly think they're kind of scared. That's why they haven't dropped it yet. But that's just me, you know, talking shit. Uh, the headline I mean, that we they do didn't know, know what they were doing with their game up yeah, until yesterday, true. and they yeah. people still don't have tickets for this game. So, like, how we expect them to uh, <laughs> to have a roster? Like they don't even have tickets. People don't have tickets. They've had a bad game, week, which we'll get into later. They've had a bad month. The World Juniors got canceled. You know, the mm. all their NHL teams have had games postponed. Like it's been a rough month for the nation of Canada. Uh, but one of the worst things that's happened to Canada this month is their star, Golden Boy, 
probably the best player in CONCACAF, Alfonso Davies, uh, he's out. And this we, – we don't have a roster to talk about, but this is probably the headline regardless of who gets named because Alfonso Davies, who had caught COVID uh, with Bayern a few weeks ago, has been diagnosed with heart issues, and he's out for the foreseeable future. They said at least a couple of weeks. Uh, it's it's the foreseeable future. It's myocarditis. It's it's something that has occurred in a lot of people uh, as part of a long COVID symptom, if you will. Um, but I mean, this is really serious. I mean, this could. I I, I don't want to make it too like morbid or whatever, but myocarditis could cost you a career, right? Like, especially the way he plays. He's not like a guy who's just sitting and cutting, chilling. He is active on, on the, on the flank and up top for Canada. So I, I, before anything, I just hope he's okay because he's a really, really great player to watch. I love watching him play. I, I honestly feel a sense of pride watching him play for Byron because he reps CONCACAF so wonderfully. And when he was in MLS, he was repping that league so, so wonderfully. So I just hope he's okay as a human being and in, on top of that one day is able to get back to the pitch and do his thing because he's got a long career ahead of him. And it'd be a shame um, if myocarditis, you know, ruined even a piece of that. So I'm just hoping that he's wishing him the best. Yeah. I mean, just echoing everything Donald said, but you know, he, he hopefully will get some time and it did sound like it's a more milder case of it, but the, and the, and the fact that they caught it, um, what I think is fairly early should get him in a good place. So um just hope he gets hope he gets better and gets back to the field because yeah he is a, an electric player to watch. A lot of guys, uh, you know, a lot of guys in Africa Cup of Nations is going on right now. I know this is not Concacaf, but we've seen some guys there also develop yep. similar condi- similar long COVID uh, heart related issues. Uh, you know, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang being the most notable of them. Like he's probably the second. Like having said all that, like Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is one of the best players in the world. And the Alfonso Davies news is probably bigger than that. So that tells you what he means to Canada and what he means to CONCACAF. Not being here is going to be a big deal. I'd like to pause for a moment and apologize to our listeners for talking about other confederations. This is a exclusively CONCACAF podcast. I I, I have a tie-in that we're going to talk on in one more round um, based on a Max Bredos tweet uh, that ties uh, CAF and CONCACAF together. Um, that's for one more round. That's for one more round. I'm just just giving a preview. I'm giving a preview for those that may want to sign up to be Patreons. Yeah. Join our Patreon and accept our apologies. Uh, Okay. So on Canada, let's go to the accumulation chart. Uh, These gentlemen are all sitting on yellow cards heading into this window. Uh, Charles Andreas Brim, Daniel Henry, Mark Anthony Kay, Richie Larea. Now noting Larea had already missed the game on October 10th, sitting out for accumulation four games into the win, into the final round. So Larea is back on the watch. Uh, Sam Adekugbe, Samuel Piet, Stephen Estacchio. I'm terrible hitting that one. And Stephen Vittoria. Uh, Vittoria also his third yellow of the final round. He had set he had set out the October 10th match. Uh, so that is your yellow card watch for Canada. One of these days I'll get Estacchio right. Uh, Donald, let's move on to FIFA ranked number 49, Costa Rica. What do we got going on Costa Rica? Yeah, I mean, Costa Rica has the lineup or at least the roster that you would expect from Costa Rica a lot. You know, most of their uh, most of their veterans are in there because, as we mentioned, they're they're in fifth place in, in the table and they need to get a lot of points and they need to get them right now. If they want to work their way back into the chase for one of those three world cup spots, or even for the fourth world cup spot. So or the uh, inter-confederation spot. So, uh, I mean, is led by Kaylor Navas. He's back in the roster. Uh, I know he has been in and out due to injury. He has also been splitting time at PSG. Uh, so he hasn't been seen the field that much, but he is, probably the best keeper in CONCACAF. So you like him being in the lineup makes Costa Rica a dangerous team because they have that guy manning the sticks. I think also guys like Randall Leal, uh, Francisco Calvo, Brian Evo, uh, Oviedo, uh, Kendall Watson back in 
Joel Campbell back in. Uh, DC United fans will remember Jose Guillermo Ortiz. He is in this lineup, but they have, I mean, there's not a lot of inexperience in this roster uh, for Costa Rica. This is, they're bringing in their heavy hitters because they know this is crunch time and they know they got to go. Uh, I do want to note, Keeler Navas, he has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, lately, he has been out of the lineup because he diagnosed with COVID. Uh, he tested positive on the 16th. So, honestly, I was kind of surprised to see him on the roster because I assumed he would be out. Like, whatever quarantine he's in, I'm not sure he's going to clear that in time for this first game. But if he does, that's a huge, huge pickup for Costa Rica because – he is their star. He is the he's the guy that can win games for them, and they are desperate, desperate to win games. I think for a lot of nations, they're allowing guys to isolate as long as they pass, uh, pass you know have negative tests at a certain point. It's not the full fourteen days that we're used to having as the gold standard of COVID isolation from the last year and a half. It's now been reduced to between seven and ten days. So. They're thinking that, yeah, he may have to miss the first match, but if he can test negative and get back into training, that he'll be available for these guys at some point during the window. Just like if someone was injured and you bring him into camp anyway, I know this is a slightly different because they have to be isolated, but my guess is he won't join the team until he clears that isolation, but at that point, he'll be thrown into that starting lineup. Yeah, especially if he's asymptomatic, he may it may be a pretty quick clearance of that to get in. Yeah, but you know he's been sitting out. Like his, I don't know, even know if he's been active. Like going from two week a week to two weeks off and heading right into crucial games. It's rough. Uh, also rough for Costa Rica. Man, they got a, a list of guys sitting on yellows. So let's roll through them. Uh, Brian Oviedo, Brian Ruiz, Celso Borges, uh, David Guzman, Francisco Calvo, Jefferson Brennis, Jewison Bonnet. Joel Campbell, Jonathan Moya, and Ricardo Blanco Mora. Uh, Blanco Mora actually had already been suspended for a game for accumulation. He sat out October 10th, uh, and then he picked up another yellow card on November 11, November 12th uh, against Canada. So uh, I believe you just those. mentioned. Yeah, I believe you mentioned the full like starting eleven. So. <laughs> Just so we're clear, yeah. minus minus Navas, like there's going to be a point where Navas will be on the field and they won't have anybody else. Notice yeah. all the like, aside from like Kendall Watson, all all like the shit houses of Concacaf, of course are like you're looking at Brian Oviedo, Brian Ruiz, Joel Campbell, like all those guys. Of course they're on yellows. Of course they have yellows. Yeah. <laughs> why only one? Like they, they, yeah. that's why they're struggling. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it could be a disastrous window for them if one, one of these first two games gets shippy. Uh, so that's Costa Rica. Let's move on to Jamaica. Jonathan, tell us about Jamaica. Yeah, so at, at time of recording, we do not have a full Jamaica roster. We do have, so they played a friendly, um, so today's Friday the 21st. They played a friendly yesterday against Peru where they lost 3-0. Um, and so they had some domestic guys in, in U.S.-based players that were called in. So um, not a ton of guys that, I mean, Kamar Lawrence is there, uh, Ramon Howell, um, Deshaun Beckford, uh, Devontae Campbell, and, and Corey Burke, and, and a few other guys that were there. Um, we don't know what the makeup is the, of the squad is going to be uh, once that roster gets released. Um, we do know a few things. So... Um, as of you know, this week it looks like Damari Gray will not have his passport in time. So I know we talked about this on the last episode. Was the fact that you know he is going to play for? It looks like he's going to play for Jamaica, but he doesn't have the physical passport in time. Shamar Nicholson, um, who's one of their one of their main strikers, he made a move to Spartak Moscow this month, and he has declined to call up. So we know he is not going to be. Um, not going to come in because he wants some time to get settled with his team. Um, and it looks like um, there may be a few others that have moved um, recently, like Kareem Paris, um, who plays in Slovenia, who also recently moved that he is looking to, you know, get settled with his team. Yeah. Um, speaking of Shamar Nicholson, he's on our list. He's on our list. So let's go to the accumulation tracker. Uh, first headliner, Javon Watson, 
he is suspended for this first game, uh, picking up a yellow card, his second yellow in the November 16th match against the USA. Uh, some of us were there and witnessed that in person, but Javon Watson, he out for the next game. Uh, without a full roster, we are not sure if any of these players are actually going to be in the squad for this window, uh, but also sitting on yellows for Jamaica, Andre Gray, Anthony Grant, Blair Turgut, Damian Lowe, Javane Brown, Kamar Lawrence, Kamar Roof, Leon Bailey, O'Neal Fisher, and the aforementioned Shamar Nicholson. So they got a bunch of guys who are... The only guy that doesn't have a yellow on that list is the coach who just got <laughs> fired, and he's serving his suspension indefinitely because he fired. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Headlining for Jamaica is they've got a new coach. Um, this will be his first window and a very crucial window for Jamaica if they want to stay alive in the fight for a spot in Qatar. And then we also know, um, we'll not know for sure, but Leon Bailey has still not come back from injury. So he's apparently getting close, but I I don't, I think even if he is to, because they will play this weekend, Aston Villa will play this weekend. I think even if he makes the bench for them, I don't anticipate him getting called up. Well, there you go. So that is our Jamaican squad. Let's go to Panama. Uh, Panama. Jonathan. Yeah, so Panama? so Panama, um, looking at that roster, not a lot of names that we would think of as, you know, like the guys are here. So like Luis Mia and Ingol, um, Anibal Godoy, Armando Cooper, um, Gabby Torres, a lot of the guys that, you know, we're used to seeing with this team, um, they, they're going to be there. Um, I would say that I know we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, things that are, you know, some of the suspensions of, of players are not players of, of fans, but, um, one of the big call outs is so Panama has one home game this round and they actually, um, they have a, they're serving a ban, um, due to some home, due to the homophobic chanting, um, Mexico got their ban overturned, um, but they actually decided not even to try to appeal the ban. Um, a lot of that due to COVID in the country, as well as not having the money to pay the fine if they do not, uh, if are not successful in the appeal. All right. Panama's, let's go to their list. Uh, sitting on yellows, they've got five guys uh, Adalberto Carasquilla, uh, Armando Cooper, Eric Davis. Jose Fajardo and Michael Murillo all sitting on yellow cards and one caution away from a suspension. Up next, La Selecta. We are going to El Salvador and coach Hugo Perez's squad right now. They are training, preparing for the, their first battle for in, with the USA. They have, are holding their camp in Indianapolis, Indiana. I, I don't know if that's psychological warfare from the coach trying to punish them and send them to Indiana in January, but that sounds miserable. Uh, El Salvador actually only called in 23 players. The big notable here, uh, Nelson Bonilla, uh, he has been out of the squad for a while. This is his first appearance in the squad uh, in the octagonal. Uh, but El Salvador got some big games coming up. If you go to their accumulation list, uh, these are guys sitting on a yellow card and a caution away from suspension. Alexander Lorin, Brian Landaverde, Enrico Duenas Hernandez, Eric Zavaleta, Isaac Portillo, Marvin Monterosa, Pablo Puned. All those gentlemen, a caution away from missing a game. That seems... That seems like a bold strategy, a very dangerous one for El Salvador, given that you said they only brought in 23 guys. They can dress 23, but they have that laundry list of people who are sitting on yellows. And also, again, we have to talk about the fact that COVID could strike at any moment. And these guys could one of these guys could pick up COVID and decimate the entire roster. I'm surprised they only bring in 23 guys. Yeah. When you're starting your camp in Indiana and Ohio. I can't say they're two states that believe COVID exists. 
you know, that's taking your life in your hands in more ways than one. Bringing bold strategy, guys. Cotton. Bold strategy. And well, I will it, also point out, I was like on the Indianapolis thing, that is also where uh, Mexico trained in the last window leading up into the, uh, the U.S. game. And how'd that work out for him? Mm. <laughs> not great, Bob. Not great. Um, El Salvador, their social media has been posting a lot of pictures and videos from camp. I must say, like, content's been good. I must say, those dudes look really cold. They don't look happy. <laughs> they look like miserable. they look like the Jamaican bobsled team in cool runnings. Like not yeah. the not the current one. Shout out to the to the ones that are qualified for the Olympics. Uh, but they look like the ones that are like, yo, um, whatever <laughs> whatever hats and gloves are and scarves are available in this lost and found bin. They look like they just showed up and they were like, yo, why are we here? Who who brought us here? What you smoking? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think they would. I think they'd prefer that because smoke where there's smoke there's fire the fire is warm and they don't look warm yeah whatsoever. where there's fire there's warm <laughs> sanka what you smoking i ain't smoking man i'm breathing <laughs> i'm breathing <laughs> so that is el salvador donald uh let's wrap it up 76th ranked honduras what do we got yeah honduras is in dire need of wins they're in dire need of just some sort of momentum because again as we okay. said they're on they're on life support with regards to their chances to get to the World Cup right now. Uh, they did have a friendly on January 16th They against Ecuador. They lost that one two to one. And, and from that roster, 12 guys were in this camp already. So 12 out of the 23, 12 out of the 26 guys that were called into this national team for the World Cup qualifying window also were on the roster for this friendly. So a little less than half. And I think that's interesting only because there wasn't a lot of experience on that team. And there isn't a lot of experience on this team either. Um, we, we see some guys that we recognize like Albert Elis, um, but mayor Figueroa, who was the captain, he has 179 caps for Honduras. And I, it feels like only Albert Ellis, if you took out Ellis, uh, everyone else combined wouldn't have as many caps as uh, as Maynard Figueroa. It just seems like that. These guys have a little bit of experience, but a lot of guys don't have experience at all, which is very surprising for Honduras, given that this is crunch time and they need to get wins. And usually when you need a big win in any sport, you're calling in your veterans who know how to get the job done. Jonathan, you got anything on Honduras? No, not really. All right, let's go to the accumulation list. Uh, they got they got a squad. They they could get a starting eleven just on these guys who are sitting on yellows. So let's run them down: Elberth Ellis, Anthony Lozano, Carlos Pineda, Christopher Melendez, Danilo Acosta, Davy Flores, Jose Garcia, Luis Lopez, Marcelo Pereira, and Rigoberto Rivas. All on the verge like one mistake away from missing a crucial World Cup qualifier. Did you say Luis Lopez was on that list? Yep. Oh good, then they have a goalkeeper so they can they can play. All all <laughs> they have 10 they have all, 10, they have 10 players, yeah. Yeah, all those guys can play. Yeah, they may have to play down. Well, give them give them Figueroa. Figueroa's the captain. That's fine. But take those guys run the and run that run that squad out there for one game, see what happens. Yeah. Well, Figueroa is not on that list because he served the suspension that he had gotten for getting a red card uh, back in October, which so. means, which means he's over. He's run through it already. He, he again, he has the most <laughs> experience on the team, both in caps and getting yellow cards. Yeah. Be, yeah. Be familiar with doing something. All right. So those are the squads. Let's take a quick break. Let's take a breather. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll talk about what actually lies ahead here in January. So stick with us. So is that like a fake break? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're back. Uh, we'll talk about the schedule, the games coming up, what we're looking for. 
But first things first, this is CONCACAF. And the great thing, one of the magical things about CONCACAF is how it's just like they're making up as they go. And when you have like the top level, like World Cup qualifying outside of any tournament, this is the biggest thing that CONCACAF has to deal with. And they're in the this final is round. Nations League erasure. <laughs> I said outside of tournaments. Nations League is clearly a tournament, but all respect to our beloved CONCACAF Nations League. But World Cup qualifying, this is the third round. They've been, it's a four-year cycle. They've had time to figure this out. CONCACAF has decided to implement VAR for World Cup qualifying, effective, like, looking at, look at my watch, like, now. Like, what are your, what, I want to know your thoughts on just, we're just going to do VAR now. So, I, will say, I, mean, I had a few thoughts. Go, go, go. I say, I was going to say, I, I was saying, like, I had one thought, like, kind of going into it. We knew that one of, we were kind of briefed going into this, why there was no VAR was the fact that some of the smaller nations uh, on, on a smaller budget were not able to, to pay for that. I felt that, um, for the better of the game and just the integrity of the tournament as a whole, I think it would have been um, much better for both CONCACAF and I feel like Mexico and the United States could have easily, uh, and Canada could have easily all chipped in to pay for, um, you know, having VAR at all these games because the cost isn't too terribly expensive. Um, And so I feel like there could have been more done at the front end um, to put this in play, but um, you know, it's CONCACAF, um, so we know the refereeing is suspect and not great, um, so I can't wait for the VAR officials. Look, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying is like a middle school dance. You got your partners, and every single time, every few minutes, someone calls snowball, and you switch. <laughs> Except this time, they changed the rules. We went from, we went from hip-hop dancing to square dancing. Like that's, that's what we're doing right now. Um, I, I honestly want VAR to be a part of this because we have been burned by VAR in the past, most notably, or, or lack of VAR, most notably in October, the United States, when we were in Austin, uh, were denied a penalty, uh, a clear penalty. Uh, Paul Early gets just destroyed by uh, Jamaica and there's no penalty called. But also you want to go all the way two, back. There should have been two red cards in that game too. There should have yeah. been two red cards that game, but forget this cycle. If you want to even go back to the last cycle, Panama had a phantom goal and there was no VAR to say, oh, by the way, this ball never actually went into the net or across the line or, or even approached being on frame. If they had done VAR, that goal would have not even been a shot on goal. That's how Liter- bad they missed it. Yeah. Literally, VAR would have prevented Panama from going to the World Cup in 2018. Like right. that's how and, crucial and it, it can be. And it is well, great. To most see. importantly would have sent the U S to the world cup or at least to the, it will send them to the knockout, uh, to the interconfederational yeah. playoff in Australia, which all of us would have gone to. Um, yeah. so maybe it's say maybe V maybe lack of AR saved us $2,000, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, really like it, it's like VAR should have been a part of this. And we talked about, when this qualifying round started back in September, we talked about that it wasn't present and we hoped that it wouldn't affect any of the games. And we've seen it. I mean, it hasn't had a huge effect. I mean, the game that we just talked about in Austin, the United States eventually won. So, you know, I guess no harm, no foul there, but there could have been. And I think now we have it. So I'm, I'm glad that we have it. But as we know, the application of the AR is inconsistent at best. And so that is now where the, the new focus is, is how do we make VAR consistent and make it where there any glaring mess ups can be handled properly. We just have to wait and see if they actually do it. See, here's, here's my issue with this is so CONCACAF in general forever has had issues actually applying rules and making correct calls just in general. So what is a piece of video going to do to convince anyone to make the right decision? Like just cause it's, they see it on the screen doesn't mean they're going to do it. You know, this is CONCACAF. 
all rules are out the window. This is just another layer for us all to be outraged when something dumb happens. And you know, the, 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 good. I was going to say, you know, at some point there's going to be a scrum, some dude's going to get choked and nothing will come of it. Even though it's on video, even though they can review it, nothing's going to come of it because it's CONCACAF and that shit just Because it ain't clear and obvious. Yeah. Clear and obvious to who? So I'm going to call back and, and you can apologize after I'm done, but there's a reason why I mentioned a particular tournament earlier in this show. We have had the application of a CONCACAF official looking at VAR and going, eh, well, nah. <laughs> we have seen this because in Africa Cup of Nations, you can say it because it was still a CONCACAF. It involved thing. CONCACAF. A team got concacaf at the Africa Cup of Nations. By the way, the brand is strong. Just yeah, saying. Strong. Strongest confederation nation in, in the world. Brand is strong. But we've seen this application already in where a clear penalty uh, or, or like a, just basically went and they were like, eh, well, nah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Then there was one where a dubious penalty, which probably shouldn't have been one, that really actually affected the results of the game. The Guatemala referee was like, mm, yeah, that's a penalty. That definitely is. And they looked at it and they saw what happened or actually what didn't happen. And they go, yeah, not going to get embarrassed here. We're going to keep this mistake and we're going to own it. And they went ahead and let that penalty go. Penalty ends up going through and a team wins on a dubious penalty that didn't happen. So we've seen CONCACAF affect itself in VAR around the world. We just have to tighten that up for World Cup qualifying because this is really important. We can't, they can't be messing this up. And we know they will. It's just a matter of when. Before we move on, and we will, I'm glad that you brought that incident up because I just want to point out someone tweeted at us complaining, saying your referee is a scum for that play. They tweeted at Podcacaf. Bro, we, we, it wasn't us. I, I, the brand, the is, brand strong. is strong, <laughs> but that wasn't us. So yeah, don't blame us last for that stuff. But we will accept. We will accept that because that means that you they they fixed their fingers to find pocket calf to complain about us. We'll take it. You know why? Because that means that we're top of their minds. We're we're, the, we're, we're on the minds of the people. The dude tagged FIFA, their official account, CAF, the African Federation, their official account. And the world of Concacaf podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we made I, I, I want to. Before we move on, I do want to let Concacaf know if you're listening, um, they are. we will be your mouthpiece. If you want someone to apologize on the regular for things that happen, for things your officials may do, um, and for general wrongdoings, um, I have a price. Eric has a price. Donald has a price. Um, hit us up. So, so I, I just want to translate for CONCACAF. CONCACAF speaks many languages, right? So I want to translate what Jonathan just said to the officials of CONCACAF. Bring us to Miami, bring us to the office, and we will tell you what's wrong with you in about 15 words, and then we will go to the beach, and you have to pay for it. So hit us up at CONCACAF, CONCACAF at gmail.com, all the podcasts. Send us to Miami. I, I, I'll i get us around. You don't have to like, just give us a car. You don't have to worry about like telling us where to go. I got that handled. <laughs> just bring us down there so we can tell you how you need to run your confederation because that's what we're here for. Yo, we should like legit doorstep the offices of CONCACAF. Just show up and be like, I know where they are. Yeah, I know where they are. Like, yo, who wants to talk? We just want to talk about CONCACAF. It's, it's fine. There, there, if, we, if we go... Let me just say this. If we went at a certain hour, there are some places that we could go afterwards where we could entertain ourselves while we wait for them to answer the door. So you're saying there will be a party in the city where the heat is on? <sighs> Welcome to Miami. <laughs> Bienvenido. Miami. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's get back. To, let's get it. Pull it back in here. Getting off the rails a little bit here. All right. So January window, fast approaching. Uh, Jonathan, let's go through the schedule while you read off the fixtures. And each we'll go match day by match day. And each match day, we'll kind of pick our game to watch. 
Yeah. So starting on match day nine. So Jamaica versus Mexico in Kings Park, Kingston um, with no fans. Jamaica will have no fans for the entirety of this round. Um, then the U.S. versus versus El Salvador in Columbus. Um, Honduras versus Canada um, at the Estadio Olimpico Metropolitano. Um, and then Costa Rica versus Panama at the Estadio Nacional in San Jose. So looking at these four games, um, Donald, what is your match to watch? It's Costa Rica versus Panama because Panama is in fourth place. Costa Rica, if they lose that game, they can they can phone in the rest of it because they're, for all intents and purposes, they're done. To get back into this race, they need to have a very, very strong output. I, I, six points won't get them back into, the, into this race. They need seven or nine realistically to really show that they can be in the top four. But to do that, one of those three of those points have to come against Panama who's sitting in fourth place. If you have a team that's right directly above you and you're trying to leapfrog them, you got to go beat them and they have that opportunity. So I think that's the match of the round. Eric, what's your match of the round? I mean, for me, it's Jamaica, Mexico, Uh, Mexico has been trying to keep pace with the U S and Canada it looks like the U.S. is probably going to pick up three points on this match day. Canada, they've got a relatively – they can get points out of San Pedro Sula. Uh, but Jamaica, brand-new coach. Uh, it's going to be a weird environment with an empty stadium. And Mexico, like, they, they got to get points out of this. Um, yeah, Jamaica, they can surprise, and we don't know what their roster is going to fully look like, but with all of the talent that could potentially be available to them and the way they play, and Mexico having all of those guys on cautions, like this could be an impactful game uh, for Mexico going forward. Also, a very interesting matchup because both teams are very familiar with playing with no fans in the stands. And I know that's a dynamic that has been uh, very, very present in these, uh, in these qualifiers, but those two teams especially have had a lot of games behind closed doors. So uh, that really makes it a toss up for me. Yeah. And the interesting thing going back to the US El Salvador game, it's Columbus, Ohio, us going back to Columbus. We've okay. That's fine. It's going to be cold. So We'll see how El Salvador handles the January Ohio weather. Yeah, I think for me, actually, the what I'm looking at outside of the Costa Rica-Panama game is that Honduras-Canada game, just because Honduras is at a point where, like, I mean, if they don't get a point out of this, they're not mathematically eliminated, but, I mean, they're, they're not in a good spot if they don't get anything out of this game. And I'm looking at how Canada is going to be lining up and, of course, wanting to see the, the team in front of the United States drop some points um, as well. So I think that's those, that's kind of the reason I'm keeping an eye on that. That game could get out of hand fairly quickly because Honduras has not looked very good, but we'll see. There are no easy points in San Pedro Sula. Facts. No, there is not. So moving on to match day 10, starting off um, on January 30th, um, the first game of the day uh, is Canada versus the United States at Tim Hortons Field, the the donut box. Um, then we have the United, I mean, then we have Mexico versus Costa Rica at Azteca with only 2,000 fans. Panama with an empty stadium at Estadio Romel uh, Fernandez um, versus Jamaica. And then Honduras versus El Salvador. So I'm going to park the Canada US of it all. Um, before we talk about, let's talk about these other three matches. Um, Eric, what are you looking at this in this round? I mean, if you're Panama, you've got to get a win. Um, and I regret in my research, I did not pull up the actual statistic, but like legitimately in the last four World Cup qualifying cycles, Panama has lost like two games at home in World Cup qualifying. Like all of the games they've played in the last 16 years or so, they've lost two. Panama gets results at home. And 
you would assume they're going to here. That might be the death blow for Jamaica. But if Panama can pick up those three points, they're sitting in fourth. Like, they're in a fairly good spot. So, if Panama can keep on trucking, I got my eyes on that game. Donald, what are you looking at? So, I think, I know we're setting aside Canada-US, but that's the match of this window. Straight up, period. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... Mexico, Costa Rica is the one that I'm looking out for because, again, it's involving Costa Rica. They have a chance to creep back into it. But also, there is a scenario for Canada and the United States to qualify for the World Cup outright in this window. But that scenario and is it's really just one. It involves either Mexico or Panama losing all of their games in this window. So if, if Mexico, for some reason, does not get points against Jamaica, this becomes a must win for them because Costa Rica has at least, again, they have the experienced guys in camp, but they have some tools to be able to knock them out. And again, with 2000 fans in Azteca, that means that the home field advantage that they have there is essentially neutralized. Uh, And when you have the best goalkeeper in the region in Kaylor Navas, that makes Costa Rica a formidable out no matter who they're playing. Yeah. And like we talked about when we were going over the squads, Navas has been out with COVID. Like, I guess theoretically he might not be available for this game. And if he isn't, or he could be back and he, he could, could be, be back. Just rusty. But if he's not, that's huge, huge for Mexico. If he is back and he's playing like he's Kaylor Navas, like he's the guy that can go into Azteca and steal the result. So, Let's. I'm not. We're not even going to spend time on Honduras vl Salvador because uh, it's the two last place teams. So Canada versus the United States. This match, um, there has been a lot of um, issues getting like just with the Canadian um, setup. What were you going to say, Eric? I was going to say the important thing about this game is is the first full podcast calf on the pod on the road podcast calf trip as all three of us will be in attendance for this match. Gang, gang. Well, we have I to mean, get yeah, tickets that is, first. That is the most important thing. We're going to be there. <laughs> and we found Canadian rum. So we found Canadian rum, and I found some that is available at LCBOs in Hamilton. It's like oh, Toronto-based. It's not, the, it's, it's not the Bret Hart one that we were talking about uh, uh, on the last pod. Uh, or, or in the one around or whatever we were talking about, but there is one that is Toronto based. And so our goal is to find it and try it. it, it I, who knows if you sign up for Patreon, it might be a bonus episode where we just try this rum and we let you know how it is. Legitimately. We might not have anything else to do the night before the game. So the, that'll be, we'll be producing content for that with all the samplings we get from the LCBO in Ontario. Shout out LCBO. We'll see you soon. (laughs) That is the thing is, so um, the game has been reduced to 50% capacity. Um, We also know Ontario is in the midst of a lot of uh, lockdowns. So, you know, restaurants and bars are are takeout only. Um, And so, yeah, we'll have a lot of content uh, coming into this game. But the game on the field, I think um, it's really going to come down to um, seeing what Canadian rosters out there. I think if history tells us anything, it's going to be a drab, um, pretty terrible match. I mean, you know, even looking back to the most recent game in Nashville, that was not a great game of soccer. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, if the U.S. if the I think the U.S. can easily pull out a point. I'm just not expecting much else, knowing that it's an away game to Canada. I will say this, um, a lot of the restrictions you just mentioned about bars and restaurants being takeout only, um, all of those expire on the 31st of January, which is one day after this game, which lets me know one, actually knows two things. One, uh, Canada does not care about their soccer team. They need to get their weight up. And two, they're scared. They're scared of Americans because they knew we were going to come. They knew we were going to take over their bars. They knew we were going to take over our restaurants. They're going to get all the poutine. They're scared. I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be a a guy that's like talking trash. I'm just stating facts here. If they were not scared, 
they would have rolled out the welcome wagon and it would have said, hey, America is coming. Please enjoy yourself. Spend your money here. Go to the LCBOs. Go to the bars and restaurants. But now we're just sitting here and we're, we're talking about sampling rum in our hotel rooms uh, because everything else is closed. I'm just saying they need to look out for the soccer team one time. They could have done this and had it where it expired on Friday and had everybody be able to go to the game on Sunday. Just saying. I think I'm also going to explicitly call out the Canadian Federation um, for being scared of the city of Buffalo. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Those that may not be be aware, um, this game kicks off at the exact same time as the AFC Championship game. Um, there's a good chance that the Buffalo Bills will be in the AFC Championship game. Can we they not talk about this know. yet? I don't want to talk about this yet. I don't want to talk about it. Don't think so. Okay, don't there, is a, there, is a, there is a non-zero, there's a non-zero chance. chance. At time and, of recording, there's a non-zero chance. By and there's a non-zero chance that if they are playing in it, they could also be hosting it literally 60 miles away from this game. So they literally put it at the same time because they knew they were scared of Buffalo. Yeah, I want to preface all of this by stating the fact that it's entirely possible by the time you're listening to this podcast that the Buffalo Bills would have done something very billsy. And one, this, one this, of the this other. is a moot, moot point. Um, Let's go, but, Buffalo. Go Bills. Um, but as Jonathan alluded to, the game in September was a terrible, terrible game. This is going to be that, but cold, miserably cold. Right now, the forecast is high uh, at the time of recording. The forecast high in Fahrenheit is 26 degrees in Hamilton, Ontario, the day of the game. That's balmy. So it's going to be cold, and it's going to be on turf. This game is going to be terrible, just absolutely terrible. U.S. Canada games, just going back like the last decade, have been miserable, terrible affairs. Just cagey, awful games to watch. And this game might be the most awful of all of them. So I, we're really excited about it. I promise you, uh, and this is not to wish injury on anyone. I'm just going to say someone's going to get hurt in this game. A Canadian player is going to get a foot contusion because they're so because they've just come from Central America where it's 80 degrees and the ball is just rolling around and light as air and they're going to come back to their own country and they're going to watch that ball be a brick of ice and just to just kick the ball and literally their entire existence will be questioned on why they exist in this part of the metaverse and. They're going to get a foot contusion. One guy, I don't know, I don't know if there's going to be multiple, but at least one guy will have to go down and be like, yo, give me the magic spray. And then they're going to spray the magic spray. They're going to realize that that's cold too. They're going to say, you know what? I'll just walk it up. Yeah. I thought the injury you were talking about was somebody going through a table, but no, 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 not the players. Players don't do that. I mean, they could, you know, we have tables. We'll see. All right. We got to, we got to get, get rolling here. Let's, let's go on to the next match day. So yeah, last last round of, last match day of the round. So Jamaica versus Costa Rica back in Kingston again with zero fans. The U.S. versus Honduras um, in Saint Paul, Minnesota for some godforsaken reason. Um, oh, Panama, or Mexico versus Panama at the Estadio Azteca with two thousand fans, and then El Salvador versus Canada at Estadio Cuscatlan. What are you guys watching? Um, so I was going to say, go just going first, like Canada going into Cuscatlan, like El Salvador could be, this could be complete desperation mode. Canada's going from cold, terrible, dreary, miserable Hamilton, Ontario to sunny, muggy, firework popping off San Salvador. And uh, that's, that's an adjustment. And El Salvador, they're well-coached. They've got a very good structure. I mean, Canada drops points there. Not ideal. Not ideal. For me, I, I'm just going to say it. The, the best game of this round, the most important game of this round is Canada v. U.S. I think the second best and the second most important is Mexico v. Panama because, as I mentioned, both of them are tied for third. It's goal differential separating them right now as we speak. But if, if the scenario for Canada and the U.S. to qualify for the World Cup outright in this window goes like this. It involves them, one of you know, both of them getting nine points, but it also involves either Panama or Mexico losing all of their games. 
And I think that is the crucial thing here is they play each other. So if one team is struggling, then American and Canadian fans are going to be banding together to root for the opponent as they try to put the final nail in the coffin uh, with this, with this game. So I think that's the one of the one match I'm looking forward to in this round because it involves the fourth place teams. And again, we've talked about Costa Rica. We've talked about Jamaica. If they go on a little, little hot streak, they all play all, all these teams play each other. So it could be where that match is super important to determine who's going to be third or fourth in the table. Yeah. And I think looking at, looking at, for me, I'm looking at this Jamaica Costa Rica game, um, but in a lot of that is going to be keeping an eye on where we are at, uh, where Jamaica's at after those these first two games. Because, I mean, if Jamaica has a good showing through the first two, um, they could see themselves setting themselves up maybe to be in fourth place by the end of the round. Because um, a lot of these teams are going to be looking at where they're at because after this, it's one more match day or one more round, three match days. So... This it's going to be kind of a do or die situation. I feel like for Canada or for Jamaica of where they see themselves finishing. For sure, this is crunch time in Concacaf. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up here as far as the discussion goes. Uh, we've got some postcards of the pod. We're actually going to take that and we're going to push that to our one more round bonus content. We're going to record right after this. Uh, that'll be available exclusively on our Patreon. If you're not already a member, go to patreon.com slash podcast. Um, your support helps this podcast grow. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at podcast, P O D You can find the links to our Patreon there. Um, Donald, Jonathan, you just want to, Give everybody your uh, social stuff. Yeah, you can find me uh, at JSlape SSP and then also at Speedway Soccer and Broadway Sports Media. For me, it's at Blazing DW and at Star Stripes FC, which is uh, the blog that I run for SB Nation. Yeah. So thank you to our new patrons. We really appreciate it. Uh, also, want to shout out Grant Wall for coming on last episode. That was a lot of fun. And we're going to keep this going. We're going to keep talking. We're going to take your listener, your questions. We're going to talk about them on our one more round podcast. Again, ex- available exclusively to patrons on our Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you bonus content. And we're all heading to Canada for the U.S. Canada match. So there's going to be a lot of bonus content coming there. So we'll end it right there. Enjoy the January international break. It's not often that we get like a legitimate January international break. So just embrace it. We're just making it up as we go. Just like CONCACAF. Thanks guys. <laughs>